You're listening to a podcast from the Trinity Long Room Hub Arts and Humanities Research Institute. Hi! Good morning! Good morning. Uh, welcome to our second uh, SCARF talk. And I'm extremely delighted today that, uh, to, in- to introduce um, the speaker of our today's talk, Dr. Katazita. And the, the speaker of the talk um, entitled Human X Art Mapping Social Behavior in Virtue and Augmented Reality. And Dr. Katazita is a, a Marie Curie Research Fellow at the Trinity Longroom Hub Arts and Humanity Research Institute, an Adept Center of Excellency for AI-Driven Digital Content Technology at Trinity College Dublin. Her research involves the cognitive studies of immersive digital media technologies, and she has authored a wide range of publications on attention, recollection, narrative engagement, and social behavior in terms of smartphone spectatorship, um, augmented reality, cinematic virtual reality, social virtual reality, and the metaverse. Currently, she leads uh, interdisciplinary and cross-sector research projects on user experiences in social virtual reality and augmented reality. And as a collaborator, she's involved in studies of the cognitive processing of fictional information, virtue uh, use behavior, and digital personas. Um, Zita is guest editor for Presence, Virtue and Augmented Reality, published by MIT Press. Let's welcome um, uh, Tata for the... Well, thanks so much for the introduction. I think I will stand and we'll move around, but if can you hear me if I don't use the microphone? Is it fine? Okay, yeah, it's, it's just probably uh, a little easier um, to have this kind of flexibility. But let me know if, some, like, if I need to speak up or if there's anything. And also feel free to, to stop me if you have um, any uh, questions. And yeah, I'm so happy to be here and uh, present to you. And it's uh, early Monday morning, so <laughs> apologies in advance if there's something that doesn't make sense. But again, like, feel free to ask at any moment. So uh, what I will talk about is um, um, a research project slash area slash research environment that uh, I'm starting to build up. And this is uh, what's called Human XR, which is basically about the human implications of extended reality that involves virtual reality, um, um, augmented reality, mixed reality, like all kinds of uh, immersive experiences. So basically the whole idea is to establish um, a field of research and a research community that can uh, respond to new technologies in terms of human behavior, in terms of uh, how uh, users interact with each other and how we can make these uh, immersive platforms available for many people and also safe uh, for uh, for um, a variety of populations, and I will talk about this safe aspect a little bit. Um, but yeah, so basically, uh, the whole idea is um, is to study uh, social behavior and interpersonal relations in uh, virtual and augmented reality. So what I will talk about uh, now is. Um, uh, covers uh, covered but basically by uh, extended reality experiences what they are and ha- what kind of human implications they have 
um, the different digital bodies and digital personas that uh, are involved in these extended reality social experiences and uh, generally social behavior in uh, VR and AR. So a little introduction to social virtual reality. Um, I'm sure many of you have come across this and if not heard a lot about the, the prospects of the metaverse and all kinds of uh, applications where people uh, can engage in, uh, in a bunch of activities uh, using avatars. So basically we can define social virtual reality as an internet-based telepresence platform. Telepresence is like that uh, um, uh, users are pretty much uh, virtually transported into uh, new environments and new spaces uh, and this is used for social interactions. Uh, social VR is operated by immersive technology, generally virtual reality, um, but um, let's say a few words about that as well in a second, and presents three-dimensional computer-generated environments where users can engage in real-time activities in the form or in represented by avatars. So, um, social virtual reality is something that is, um, has roots in uh, a variety of uh, digital social platforms where people can interact with each other. Uh, what, um, when it comes to uh, the newest technologies uh, uh, and, uh, and the availability and the, the use of these platforms, it's very much tied to uh, virtual reality equipment like head mounted displays where you can become or like you can exist within the same space or can have the sensation of being in the same space but many of these are also available on computers so um, um, owning or having access to uh, head mounted displays don't always restrict uh, the use of these uh, virtual spaces but what is important that uh, these uh, these environments are created for specific type of types of, of activities. There are uh, social virtual reality applications that are used for various activities and some that are more specific. They're only for, I don't know, watching movies with friends and some others are uh, for um, hosting sports events or uh, concerts, parties, uh, and yeah, uh, really there's uh, uh, yoga classes. There are endless uh, opportunities here. And so the most important part here, at least from my perspective, or this human-centric uh, approach, um, approaches perspective, is that uh, users are represented by avatars, by yeah, these guys over here. Um, and so these avatars behave uh, based on the user's decisions, of course. So uh, the user, um, you know, um, uh, navigates these spaces with these avatars. But what's important is that they uh, are a digital, uh, they create a digital persona, a digital identity that might be the same um, as one's own identity or, or um, uh, appearance or might not be. So the key here is that avatars replace the representation of the human body in these spaces. What I also have to add here is that um, uh, many social virtual reality spaces, again, like there, we are talking about a, a big variety of applications that allow for different types of customization, different types of uh, activities, different types of uh, uh, different ways of how avatars look. 
but uh, what's uh, what's also integrated in many of these platforms is like uh, um, chatting so uh, then you can type your message and in others uh, there is even voice conversation so there are a lot of things that uh, are covered by the avatars so uh, not much is revealed about how the user's body looks like but there you know there are some signals from voice for example so um, this can be this can be a key point of how one actually could hide behind an avatar or um, uh, how much discrepancy can be created based on how one decides to represent themselves through avatars and how they are how they appear in um, in real life but a few words about uh, augmented reality as well um, augmented reality which is um, so in, in many cases Virtual reality and augmented reality are mentioned in the same same uh, scales or same same uh, discourse. But what what is quite a key difference is that uh, while virtual reality is generally again accessed on uh, virtual reality equipment, uh, which might not be available as uh, as uh, or too broadly in uh, in the society. I mean. Uh, the uh, the sales of VR equipment just skyrocketed during the pandemic, so there is definitely a growth and it's available. Like it was, prices are going down, so it's uh, more and more available. But augmented reality is something that not cannot only be accessed on uh, on specific uh, types of equipment like uh, AR head mounted displays, but also on many smartphones and uh, and uh, tablets, which make them way more prevalent um, than, uh, than VR. So what we can say about AR is that it integrates real world and digitally created elements into interactive experiences where the perceived reality appears with overlaying computer graphics or a digital or virtual reality is just opposed with unmediated elements. It's uh, just figure that this is a very complicated <laughs> sentence, but let's let's break it down. So the whole idea is that um, uh, what a user gets uh, access to through uh, AR equipment is uh, part of uh, the physical uh, real-time recording of the physical space or real-time sensory access to the physical space. So you see uh, uh, elements that are, are there real-time, but they're... Um, um, a variety of digitally created content that can appear on top of that. So, for, for example, on this top image, um, the physical space is, is recorded uh, and on top of it appears something that is a digital content. And on the bottom, what you can see here are um, AR filters that are very often used in social media or chat applications. I'm pretty sure that everyone has come across this. Um, and basically the whole idea is that the, um, um, the, the user and the surroundings are, are uh, captured and then there's an overlaying uh, face modification that appears on top of uh, the user's face and if the user moves, um, that filter uh, is adjusted or um, does anything with their faces, um, the filter is adjusted. So basically, uh, it is based on the way how uh, AR systems register motor input. This uh, is done by position and uh, motion tracking uh, in order to augment physical actions with this 
computer simulated um, uh, elements in real time. And again, it's really important that it's a, it's a real time interaction. So um, whatever is, uh, is uh, whatever the user sees uh, on a screen or in a head mounted display is, is something very momentary, a momentary combination of the physical world and uh, uh, digital elements. So um, my interest within, uh, within these platforms is uh, um, uh, very much related or very much set around digital bodies. Um, the, the representation of the human body, the representation of the user's own body in these digital spaces, which are uh, either um, digitally created, like in the case of avatars, or um, digitally modified, like for example in the case of um, AR face filters. So digital bodies can be explained uh, on a scale, um, and uh, again, like it's uh, it's very important to add that different uh, <coughs> XR uh, extended reality uh, platforms or applications for different types of customization. So different. Uh, um, the digital bodies would, would uh, appear on different levels of the scale. But basically, what, um, what was set up here is a four-level scale of, uh, of uh, and body representations in uh, digital spaces. So the first one would be real body presence, where, um, you know, like uh, when um, most cases we use Zoom, for example, and our own uh, face is, uh, is shown on screen, so that's, there's no... Uh, Changes here; these are not considered digital bodies. The next level is uh, body accessorization, when uh, the user's body is enhanced with um, some accessories or beauty filters would actually uh, be part of these. So the modifications are small enough that they don't actually make a significant change. You can still identify the person, but they are uh, the the visual appearance is enhanced by digital technology. The next level is partial avatarization, and the last one is full avatarization. So basically, the difference between the two is uh, uh, the extent of how much uh, uh, of the digital body and how much of the physical body is represented. So, in case of partial avatarization, we talk about the uh, how the physical characteristics are changed. Whereas in full avatarization, the physical characteristics are completely masked or hidden behind um, a virtual or uh, digital representation of the user. Uh, in this case, the user embodies uh, a virtual character. And again, they can be similar to their real life bodies, but can also be uh, different. So this is, this is the scale, but again, um, it's not, it, we, we won't uh, need to, uh, link every single um, extended reality experience or every single body representation on these four levels where there are also uh, overlaps between them. So when it comes to digital bodies, there are three main areas um, uh, that interconnected uh, are, uh, are important uh, when it comes to how um, our bodies will look and uh, uh, how we interact with each other in these digital spaces. Aesthetics, technology, and um, and uh, behavior, and uh, last week we had an excellent discussion. Uh, it was great fun as well. Um, 
uh, a roundtable discussion uh, through the Human Plus uh, uh, Tech Talks events. Uh, it's on YouTube, so if you wanna you, if you wanna watch it, it's, uh, it's there. And what uh, the interesting part of it was is that uh, Dr. Jennifer Romero, I'm sure you know her. She was talking about the aesthetics aesthetic aspects of uh, of uh, digital personas. Um, uh, Professor Alyosha Smolich was talking about the technology side of it, and I was talking about the behavioral and psychological uh, side of it. But uh, basically, you can say that these are the three key elements that make a difference uh, when it comes to digital um, um, bodies and digital personas. So um, what is important here is that um, when it comes to digital representation, the these filters and avatars have uh, different functions. So, um, uh, for example, they can be they can have some kind of aesthetic or creative aspects of how we represent each other to make ourselves look, um, I don't know, funnier, uh, prettier, or um, just uh, uh, put another creative context. Context, for example, in the second image, it's a film noir uh, filter for Snapchat, I think. So um, you can create um, a, a specific type of character. Um, whereas, for example, in this top image, this is, uh, this is my avatar in a, um, a social VR space called Verbala, which is, uh, um, it was at a conference on a virtual campus. So it was a little bit like, avatars were quite toned down, so there were not really any funky elements that we could we could uh, adorn ourselves with. It was, you know, business casual attires, and this was, you know, like the representation of uh, of avatars was quite limited because the function of the space, but the the role of uh, of uh, the digital bodies were quite different than, you know, like some other um, in other cases. And this uh, the bottom image here is from a virtual concert in uh, the Wave. Um, where um, the artist is um, using a full body tracking uh, um, system, so everything that she did in, in the physical world was was mirrored in her character. But again, that's kind of an artistic representation. This was a concert, so it's it again, uh, it it involves a lot of uh, enhanced uh, um, um, what representations were. Uh, having some creative accent to it, and again, um, so when when one would use a virtual reality uh, platform, there are again a lot of ways of representing ourselves, and it is very important to note that uh, this is something that can can have um, positive effects on, uh, for example, acceptance or uh, for people who can't really uh, represent their two ident true identities in real world, they can actually do it in virtual spaces. Um, there can be many ways to it, and also uh, there, is, there is a way to experiment with how one looks, um, but again, that, uh, that could also, um, different types of representations can also uh, lead to um, uh, negative attitudes. So, like, how uh, people in in real world or physical world social scenarios would actually uh, judge each other or um, assess each other's qualities based on how uh, we represent uh, ourselves 
and this is very true in the virtual space as well, but the, but the difference is that these identities can be changed very quickly uh, by a, the click of a button, and also there are these um, uh, fictional representations where you can appear as a cat or a skeleton or robots or um, whatever you prefer. And again, this can create different types of uh, um, social behaviors. So uh, if you're interacting with a skeleton, that might actually be different than when you're interacting with a person-looking person. Um, but also this was, uh, we don't really have to go that far when it just <laughs> came to this uh, uh, funny event when this person accidentally turned on the cat, cat filter and trying to claim that they were not a cat. And so this, this whole idea of how um, the other's reactions changed to it. And now like this is, this is you know, um, a, a respected uh, professional, <laughs> um, but the whole internet was just laughing at him. So it's, again, like how this, uh, these digital personas, even if it's not deliberate, can change uh, uh, behavior. And yeah, and for example, um, like this is all me uh, on different platforms. So uh, another key point here is that uh, the different types of uh, extended reality platforms afford different types of customizations based on its uh, uh, on its uh, function. So the first one is just me with a beauty filter. So you actually have like probably um, you have access to what I look in person. So you see how different this is. Um, but um, but again, this was this was uh, this is a lot based on on uh, the different uh, functions of the spaces. So this one, for example, is from Big Screen VR, uh, where you can watch movies in uh, a social VR space, but um, uh, in a virtual cinema room. Uh, and there, the avatar's uh, appearance is not that important because basically you're sitting in a screening room and watching a movie. So you can still customize it, but there are quite limited customizations. You can change the, uh, like it doesn't even show the whole body, but you can change the t-shirt and hair color pretty much. That's, that's, uh, that's what it is. And this is by Avatar from Verbala. Again, like this, uh, um, when I went to this uh, virtual conference in the virtual university campus, it's uh, it's quite toned down. It's it's uh, limited to um, uh, how you would appear in like a, a professional setting. But again, what uh, what was what was interesting in this one as well that uh, something that you cannot change, for example, is body size or age. Mm -hmm. So pretty much, if you choose, or, or even like there are a lot of uh, binary elements in it in terms of looks and in terms of gender for example so you either choose a female or a male avatar that these are the only options and if you choose a female avatar like this is the body that you get so there are not really nuances mm -hmm. and on this top picture uh, it is uh, from ready player me where you can upload a picture of yourself or whoever um, and then it will create an avatar and then you can customize it a little bit but this is pretty much what it came up with when I uploaded my picture. I also uploaded um, Elizabeth II's picture mm -hmm. and she looked pretty much the same age as me. 
Um, so again, um, there are some customizations, and this avatar like looks way more real than this one, for example. But again, there are no nuances. Uh, there are no nuances of age, for example. So again, uh, this is something that uh, that leads to some kind of stereotypical representation of um, uh, of humans. So when it comes to aesthetics, the uh, key questions that we can ask here is um, how, um, with this new aesthetic representation of myself or anyone's uh, own self, uh, would actually lead to stepping into character? Would it actually change one's behavior um, based on how they identify in this new virtual character? Also, um, the ethical aspects, like how we can very easily change uh, a bunch of uh, demographic characteristics, uh, for example, uh, gender or skin color or uh, various other uh, other things, um, which again can lead to something that creates some kind of a safe environment. So um, if you don't want to reveal your own identity because you are entering a space where this is something that uh, could lead to any sort of toxic behavior. This is some. This is kind of a defense mechanism, and a lot of studies, uh, uh, including interviews with uh, with the VR users, came to this conclusion that there are actually quite a lot of people who would change their um, and the digital representation of their demographic characteristics because they feel safer that way. Um, also, uh, the question of realism. In digital body representations, like uh, the in the previous slide, as you could see, there are different accents accents of uh, um, realistic representations uh, based on what the platform is actually used for, um, or um, yeah, um, what the, the function is, or how much uh, you can actually um, represent yourself as as uh, you are. Um, when it comes to technology, the questions uh, are more related to whether we should copy um, the real-world personas and real-world environments or make them as realistic as possible, as related to uh, uh, reality as possible, or are we uh, creating digital worlds where that function according uh, to its own rules. Also, oh, um, again, back to the extent of uh, customizations, like how much, how much you can customize your avatar. How how important it is that the the avatar reflects on um, on uh, your uh, real life identity and uh, self representation, and how the different uh, uh, platforms and how the different technologies could uh, afford that. And the third one is behavior. Uh, which is very similar to social media personas. So, uh, in social media, there also like there is a tendency, of course, that people would uh, present themselves in a, a little more idealistic way than um, than in real life. So only posting the the cool stuff and not the boring stuff. Like no one posts about how they are brushing their teeth. But um, so again, uh, this is uh, a very similar uh, to. Um, to behavior and to curating behavior and curating looks in uh, uh, extended reality spaces. And um, yeah, um, in terms of behavior, what we also uh, uh, 
what is also um, an important, he important point here is how these different platforms would restrict the uh, variety of actions uh, or how much, uh, what, what exactly people can do there and uh, uh, how exactly they can behave. So there are uh, uh, behavior limitations here. And also um, how visual feedback would affect behaviors. Would I behave differently if I see myself on the screen with the filter that is, um, I don't know, just uh, uh, presents me in, uh, in a different way. So um, I will um, just go to the last slide. Uh, we're running out of time. Uh, just this one, yes. So. Um, in order to assess uh, this kind of malleability or the, the change, changes of digital personas, the, the idea that you can actually change your digital persona uh, all the time, anytime, it's, it's, it's simple, you can, you can customize it. And um, uh, in order to reflect on that and also the limitations of technology or how, like what kind of customizations they afford and um, how much you can actually look like your true self. Um, I was assessing this, uh, uh, this problem uh, through uh, two theoretical, or combining two uh, theories or th theoretical uh, approaches. One was intersectionality and the other one was social identity theories. Intersectionality comes from a, um, like social feminist studies and uh, social identity theory is from social psychology. Um, so basically the whole idea was that uh, uh, combining these two to understand or to, to paint a clear picture of, um, of um, this uh, flexibility between identities. So intersectionality comes from the black feminist movements from the 1970s uh, to fight uh, uh, systematic oppression and it highlights how individuals' multiple identities, for example, their gender and ethnicity, um, would exclude or include them from uh, different social groups. So how much uh, of uh, oppression or uh, prejudices or uh, yeah, um, issues they, uh, people would have to endure just because, uh, not just they are, just because they are black, but also they are black and female. And of course, this whole idea, um, of privileges and biases based on demographic characteristics. The combination of demographic characteristics is very true for other combinations. So um, again, it came from the back feminist movements, but can be um, applied to uh, many other combinations and also in, uh, in digital spheres, digital spaces where um, users appear through avatars. And so the other uh, angle was social identity theory, which is um, um, uh, the theory is about how we can predict in-group and intergroup or between-group behavior. So uh, it basically says that a social group to which an individual belongs would define their relations to, to members and those who are outside of the group. So that is also uh, important because uh, uh, digital personas uh, create a picture of, um, of a person and by this we would uh, um, claim them to be part of our social circles or outside of our social circles. And again, this, there is a quite an organic social level to it uh, of um, 
of again uh, different social biases that are part of uh, everyday social scenarios but also uh, the ways how uh, these are represented in uh, digital spaces it's it's a little different because uh, uh, I don't know you can also interact with skeletons and cats so there is another layer to it and uh, I will stop here um, here are some uh, uh, references and I thank you for your attention and uh, also uh, open if you have any questions or ideas thoughts Thank mm -hmm. you.